One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Last week, if you were here, we heard Jesus uh, describe what he understood his mission to be. Why did Jesus come? What, what was he up to? We heard Jesus talk about himself. He said that he had, he had come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And today what we're going to look at is what does Jesus want with us? Uh, some, some years ago, I was in a Bible study and whenever we uh, came across uh, passages like the one we just heard today, uh, we would ask a question which boiled down to what does Jesus want with me. What does Jesus want from me? And the way that over the course of the, the year that we were together as that Bible study group, the way that it, the way it kind of was honed into a single question that kind of crystallized our concern was this way. Now this was in the, the mid 1990s and we asked about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was kind of at the peak of her, of her uh, fame in the world. She had already received a Nobel Peace Prize. And um, she was still living. So she was kind of the, the icon for us. And we would ask the question, what if God wants me to go to Calcutta and bathe lepers? Where where the, the question was, there's nothing wrong with bathing lepers. There's nothing wrong with people going to Calcutta. I just don't want to do it myself, right? I, I've heard that Calcutta is hot and sweaty I don't want to be hot and sweaty. I don't want to go to Calcutta. And I don't know anything about leprosy. I just know it's a disease that I don't want to catch. And so we would phrase our question in really, I think, the most direct way. What if God wants me to do something that I don't want to do? It may be a good thing. I just don't want to go. And passages like the one we heard today are so troublesome because they invite that question. What would I do if I had been there? If Jesus calls me, what will I say? I, I, so some years have gone under the, the, uh, uh, bridge. So wherever years go, years have gone away. Um, and, uh, 
I wanted to know what, what, are, what are the concerns people ask today? You know, Mother Teresa has been canonized, but other than that, uh, she's probably less a, a feature of people's conversations. So I was just curious, what is the question people are asking? And I googled, you know, what if God wants me to? And I found the answers are really kind of evergreen. They don't reference uh, Mother Teresa, but they are the same sort of questions. What if God wants me to do something I don't want to do? The sort of questions that that people ask are things like, what if God wants me to be single the rest of my life? Or, what if God wants me to get married, and I'm kind of happy with things in this kind of ambiguous state. I don't really think I want to get married right now. Or, what if God wants me to stay in my marriage and I don't see any hope for it? What if God wants me to never have children? What if God wants me to adopt a child and the thought terrifies me? What if God wants me to stay in my job because I hate my job? What if God wants me to leave my job because it is kind of sketchy, but it pays very nicely? What is, what if God wants me to do something that I don't want to do? What if God calls me to a place I don't want to follow? So what I want to do is look at that question, not from the point of view of, of, of the church and its teachings, but go directly to a story in scripture that addresses that very question. In the story we heard, Peter is literally minding his own business when Jesus shows up and calls him to follow him. So what I'd like to do is to look at the scriptures. If you, if you've got them handy, we'll be looking at chapter five of Luke's gospel. Now, uh, Luke's gospel is a little easier to understand. If you were to look at the parallel accounts of this story that appear in Matthew and um, uh, Mark's biographies of Jesus, they are much more um, uh, to the point. Uh, the way that the way that Matthew and Mark tell the story is, it says Jesus one day was walking on the the shore of the lake. He saw the fishermen. He called them, and they followed him. And it's like, whoa. I, I don't know if I could do that. Now, Luke gives us more details, and we're going to look at that in a moment, but there's another detail that is told in John's biography of Jesus, and that is that there's some kind of a backstory. We don't know all the details, but in John's biography, we find out that Peter, Simon Peter, has a brother named Andrew, and Andrew is actually a disciple of John the Baptist. Now, we heard about John the Baptist a couple of weeks ago, but but John the Baptist one day told Andrew that guy over there, Jesus, follow him. So there is some story. Andrew knows something about this. And Andrew went to Peter and said, hey, we've found out who the Messiah is. So there is some backstory. We just don't know what Peter did with it. Because now Peter is fishing. Peter is not following Jesus. Peter is fishing. And we're not clear how much Peter did with that information that Andrew gave him. So that's where we pick up the story in chapter 5. It says, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Gal- uh, Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. We'll come back to that. But he says, stepping into the, one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. 
uh, and he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. We saw last week that uh, the way that a rabbi typically taught, not like me, um, was they would sit down and you would stand up. But uh, we do it differently today. Jesus is sitting in the boat. That means he's teaching. But we saw also last week that uh, Jesus is probably not safe in synagogues right now. We saw last week when Jesus trot in a synagogue, they tried to kill him. So now he's finding it uh, uh, more convenient to do his teaching out in the open someplace. So he's out in the open, but it's not a good place to talk. So he says, well, I'll do this. And so he goes a little bit off the, the edge of the water so people can't press in as much and then they can hear him better. So he gets in the boat and um, it turns out the boat is owned by a man named Simon, the same Simon we were just talking about. Um, and he asks Peter to, I keep calling him Peter, later on he gets the name Peter. Um, so he asks Simon Peter to push out and Peter does. And what's interesting to me about that is that is that Simon, Peter, is not a disciple of Jesus yet. Jesus is already asking things um, from Simon, but it's a question. It's an ask. He's saying, he's saying, would you do this? Would you push out into uh, uh, a little bit into the water, push the boat out into the water so he can teach? And Peter says yes. And um, uh, what... I take from that, the, the, the good news that I hear in that is that Jesus is not like the, the way that it's sketched out in Mark and Matthew's accounts. Jesus is not just going to come up to you and say, do this big thing. Quit everything, leave everything behind and follow me. Jesus actually says to, to Peter, hey, can I get some help here? And Peter has the opportunity to say yes or no. Um, and he does. He says, sure, I can do that. I can lend you my boat. And he has, the, the good thing about that is he's able to hear Jesus talk, uh, for the duration of this. He's not in the crowd, um, trying to make sure he understood correctly. He's right there listening to Jesus talk. So the, uh, the lesson here for me is that you can belong before you can believe. Jesus invites us to take part in what he's doing before he says we have to believe. We can, we can belong before we believe. Uh, Jesus doesn't, uh, Peter doesn't believe anything about Jesus yet, but he can, he can belong in the picture. He's part of what Jesus is doing now. So, alright. So, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a, a first thing. But then we see, after that, the crowd disperses. He's finished speaking and he tells Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So, um, so, uh, Simon says, um, so he says, uh, we worked hard all night, uh, all, uh, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Alright, and as you can see, that's the lesson. Ultimately, Jesus will ask you to trust him. Jesus will say, I want you to do something that's not what you were planning to do. I want you to take it a little further. I want you to do something beyond what you expected to do. I want you to take the thing you're used to doing and go further. At this point, Peter is saying, look, I'm done. I'm done for the day. I'm, I'm knocked off. Uh, uh, we had a bad night fishing. We didn't catch anything. The fish have gone down deep again. Um, we'll never catch them until nighttime when they come up closer to the surface. So fishing is done for the day. But Jesus is saying, do you trust me? Jesus is saying, Peter, try something differently. Do it my way. Jesus is saying, Peter, trust me. And 
I don't know, at this point we don't know what time it is. Maybe Peter's saying, well, this day's shot. I'm not going to get any sleep today. Uh, I'll just start early. But for whatever reason, he says, okay. He says, since you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners, and um, the uh, the partners help him, and soon both boats are filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. So the the lesson I would take for this is discipleship is easier when you've got company. If Jesus is going to ask you to do something that's a little bit out there, a little bit outside your comfort zone, it's nice to know there's people who have your back, people who will help you haul your fish ashore, whatever that looks like for you. Discipleship is easier when you have company. My wish for everybody in this congregation is that as you go about your discipleship, that you become involved in some kind of small group fellowship, that you take part not just in church events like this where there's 40 or 50 people all together, but you have five or six or ten closer people who you've let inside. You've let your hair down a little bit. Uh, They know what's going on with you. You've had the opportunity to talk and get to know. They've had the opportunity to get to know you and your problems. They can support you. They can encourage you. They can hold you accountable. Discipleship is easier when you've got company. So, Peter sees what's going on. Fish don't come to the surface like this during the daytime, and certainly not enough to swamp two boats. These boats, they've recovered a boat like this from the first century. It was stuck in the mud or something. Archaeologists found it. It's 27 feet long. Can you hold out? Could you back up a minute? Thanks. Um, so this boat is 27 feet long, 7 feet across, and 4 feet deep. So picture two boats, 27 feet long, 7 feet across, 4 feet deep, so full of fish that they're starting to sink. This is a huge catch. This is something that Peter knows fish don't do this. Okay? They don't, you can't even catch them in the daytime. But you sure can't catch two gigantic catches like this. And so it says, when Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. When Jesus realizes, uh, Peter realizes Jesus is sent from God, he is concerned about his sin. And I think a lot of us find ourselves in that boat. We, we're concerned about being in the presence of the holy. But what strikes me about this passage is, who brings up Peter's sin? Read the whole passage. What does Jesus say about Peter's sin? Does he say, okay, I'll let you off the hook? Does he say, you've been a bad boy, Peter? Now, now it's going to come back on you? Jesus never says a word about sin. It's Peter who brings up sin. And I have to wonder as I read this, what does Jesus really think at this moment? Does he think, well, I'm glad he realized that when all these fish were, were brought into the boat, it's because I wanted him to think about fish. And I wanted him to think about sin. Or is Jesus saying to himself, this is why I have to deal with these people's sin. Because as long as sin is in the way, they'll never notice the fish. They'll never sit there and go, what a great God who can bring all these fish to me. It's Peter who brings up the sin. Jesus, as far as I can tell reading this passage, would be much happier talking about the fish. Because that's what he does. He says, 
don't be afraid. I will make you fish for people. He says, he says, Peter, you've been working on other things, but you've been bringing what you know. You've been, you've been using your skills. You've been using your history as a, as a, as a fisherman. You've been using your whole life experiences, including those sins you're so worried about. And I want you to take them to a new level. I want you not just to catch a lot of fish. I want you to catch significant fish. I want you to start catching people. He says, I want you to take what you already know and I want you to raise it to a whole new level. And I think Jesus is asking us the same question. What if God just wants us to focus on the fish? What if God wants us to focus on the fish? To say, what could I do? What would it look like in my life? I'm not a fisherman, but what would it look like in my life if I trusted Jesus? What would it be like if he took what I do already to a whole different level? Now, we see in the passage what happens as Peter uh, follows him. Peter follows him, and then it says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Because you had to do that in those days. You could not follow Jesus around Galilee when he was incarnate on earth, except by following him around Galilee. But Jesus uh, tells us, he tells his disciples who recorded it for us, that when he ascended to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth and teach us everything we needed to know. One of the great things about being part of the church age is we can follow Jesus in our everyday context. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that that's what we share, we are to do. We are to, um, to, he says, whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says that we can live our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. So I would say keep your job, maybe. Keep your job, but give up everything. Take everything you've got, your history, your successes, but also your failures, your sins, your skills, your talents, the things that break your heart, and give them to God. Say, God, do something with these. Help me to catch people, not fish. So the question I would ask, two questions. How deep is the water that your boat is in? And how is fishing? How's that going? What if God really wants you to live a deeper and richer life than you're living now? Not, not the question, what if God wants you to go to Calcutta and bathe leopards, right? What if God wants you to do something you don't want to do? What if God wants you to do something you're dying to do? And you've been making excuses, saying, well, maybe when I retire, maybe once I save a little bit more money, maybe once I deal with this bad habit, What if God wants you to live the life that every part of your body is crying out to live? What if Jesus is saying, trust me, quit making excuses. Be the person I made you to be. Don't just fish for fish, fish for people. So how deep is the water under your boat? And... How's fishing? <coughs> this question is addressed to us as a church too. You know, we're, we're, we're entering this, this time of revitalization in both our denomination and because of the circumstances of our church. 
And I think we have to remember our mission, the reason Jesus established this church here is because he wants us to help a lot of Simons become a lot of Peters. And for us to do that, we're going to have to get our nets dirty. We're going to have to move out into deeper water. We're going to have to go to a place that, you know, we've never done it quite like that. We're not, we're not used to doing it that way. But if you say so, we'll let down our nets for a catch. Jesus is calling us out into the deep water as a church, and he's calling each of us out as an individual. Don't worry about if it's a job I hate. Worry about if it's the job you love. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for the the lesson of Jesus. Um, it is it is a part of our brokenness that we concern ourselves with uh, with things that that make no sense. If you love us as the Scriptures assure us you do, if our hearts um, convict us of your love, we know you would never call us to a job that that we could not stand. That you call us to jobs that that have eternal significance and that feed our spirits. So Lord, what we pray is you would, you would give us a community, you would give us company to encourage us, to convict us when we are making excuses, when we are, when we are resisting the call to do something that we long to do, to become the kind of people you made us to be, to make the difference in the world that we can make only with your help. Lord, we pray that you would guide us so that we can be like Peter and James and John. Maybe not to give up our jobs, but to give up everything so we can follow you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.